Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey everybody, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Amy McDonald here. I hope you're all doing really, really well. I think there are some new people listening in this week. So hey, new people, uh, great to have you. Always love to connect. So if you haven't listened in before, if you're a first timer, DM me over on Instagram and say, hey, I'm at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. I'd love to hear from you. Love DMs on Instagram. Uh, and for everybody who's been around for a while, just want to remind you all that we've got some free training coming up this week. I've just taught myself three very cool things to do on social media, new stuff. I'm loving it. It's easy. It makes you look fancy without having to do anything fancy or buy anything fancy. And we love that. Um, so uh, I'll put the sign up link in the episode notes. Um, get it, uh, sign up for it. And yes, yes, I know, Christine, thank you. Uh, it's inauguration day when I'll be running it. So, um, I don't know what you'll all be doing. If it was me, I'd be staying at home watching TV. Um, but there will be a replay. All this to say there will be a replay. So if the time zone sucks for you, sign up anyway, because I'll get you out the replay and, um, it's going to be good, good stuff. So like I said, link in the episode notes, three new things I just taught myself on social media. I want you to do them too, because they're cool, they're easy, and they're free. Yes. Now, onwards to today's beautiful guest, uh, someone who changed my life. She really did. It really happened. She didn't know that. Uh, and then I fangirled all over her, as you're about to hear. Her team probably just sent out emails to all the podcasts saying, want to have her as a guest. When I got the email, I just kind of lost my mind. I was so excited. I, at first I thought, I think you sent this to the wrong Amy McDonald. And then I thought, no, no, I think this is legit. And I said, yes, please. And uh, so I, oh, I'm like, you'll be able to tell. I, uh, we're fangirling, fangirling here. But shit, after you hear her interview, I think you're going to be fangirling regardless of your gender as well. So, folks, this week I'm interviewing the incredible, fierce, spiritual, like laser smart, and oh man, talk about um, talk about leadership. This woman, uh, Barbara Hewson, who was who, whose name used to be Barbara Stanny. So, if you've heard of Barbara Stanny, and if you've done any of my courses, you should have because she wrote Sacred Success. Barbara Hewson is a leading authority on women wealth and power. As a best-selling author, financial therapist, teacher and wealth coach, Barbara has helped millions to take charge of their finances and their lives. Barbara's background in business, her years as a journalist, her master's degree in counseling psychology, her extensive research and her personal experience with money give her a unique perspective and makes her the foremost expert on empowering women to live up to their financial and personal potential. Barbara is the author of six books and her seventh book, let's all go get this and read it together, Rewire for Wealth, is out now. You can get it now. You can find out more about Barbara um, 
at barbara-hewson.com. Her other books, other than the, the new one, Rewire for Health, go get it, uh, is under her name, Barbara Hewson. But if you're looking for her other books, check out, she'll, if you're getting them on, you know, Booktopia or whatever, it's Barbara Stanley. Enjoy this interview as you'll hear from some of the questions that I ask her and certainly what the wisdom that she and insight that she has to share. Um, she's the real deal. And what I love so much about Barbara is that exactly what it says here in her bio, and she, she legit brings it all together. She's not um, save your latte money at shoulder pads, masculine encoded woman telling you about money, nor is she feather earrings, just lay naked in the moonlight and the money will come to you. <laughs> She's the perfect middle ground. Absolutely pragmatic, practical, fierce, and deeply, deeply spiritual. I think you're going to love it. Enjoy my interview with the ever-inspiring Barbara Hewson. Okay, well, I am so chuffed, Barbara, to have you as a guest on the Abundant Yoga Teacher podcast. I almost thought it was a prank when I got an email from your assistant saying, would you like to have Barbara Hewson on as a guest? I'm like, are you kidding me? Absolutely, I want to. So welcome, welcome. Thank you. And thank you for having me because I hate rejection. (laughs) I would have been crushed. So thank you. Um, I, obviously, folks have heard a little bit about you from the, the bio that I've read, but there's nothing the same as hearing it from the, the woman herself. So tell us a little bit. Tell us in your own words in this moment. Tell us a bit about yourself. So I am a financial therapist and wealth coach. And if anybody had told me, I don't know, when I was younger, that that's what I would do, I would have told them they were crazy. Because I, I, I lived most of my life in a very deep, thick financial fog. Mm. I was raised in a wealthy family. And the only advice my father ever gave me about money was, don't worry. <laughs> Which I thought was great advice. <laughs> Understand money. I just wanted to spend it. And... Of course, under that was the unspoken assumption, there'll always be a man to take care of you, which I loved also. Mm-hmm. And there always was a man. First, there was my father, and then I married a man who was a stockbroker. So he was perfect, right? Cha-ching! Cha-ching! <laughs> what I didn't realize is that very early in our marriage, I found out he was a compulsive gambler. Yeah. And over the course of our 15-year marriage, I find out many times a year that he was gambling my inheritance away. Mm. And I continued to let him manage the money Mm. for 15 years because that's how terrified I was and intimidated by anything financial. Mm. Finally, after 15 years, we got a divorce and I decided money is not my thing. I don't want to deal with money. Well, I have learned if you don't deal with money, your money will deal with you. Yes. And I got tax bills the next year for over a million dollars, almost two million. I I did not have... Anywhere close to that, anywhere close to that, left. My ex had left the country and my father would lend me the money. Wow. And that's when I knew I had to get smart. And so I, I, I read books and I went to classes and my eyes would glaze over, my brain would fuck up and I would just figure out I was just terminally stupid. But I had three daughters, three young daughters. 
I was not going to raise those girls on the street. I knew I had to get smart and I didn't know how, but I really believe when you have, when you make a commitment, like a down to your toes, no holds bar, no backdoor commitment, the universe revolves to help you reach your goal. And I was at the time a journalist writing for the San Francisco Business Times. And I got hired for a freelance project to interview women who are smart with money. And those interviews changed my life. I not only got smart about money, that was in 1994, 93. I not only got smart about money, but I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, How Women Get Smart About Money. And now seven books later, here you and I are talking. So it's it's so great. You know, I am um, in an earlier iteration of, of um, being an entrepreneur. I used to work for a women's not-for-profit doing financial literacy training. And I remember once, um, and it was all, it was feminist learning style. So it was built for women, you know, by women. And I remember once being in a room teaching these women and one of the women said to me that she had thought she was incredibly wealthy. In fact, they owned an island. I'd never met anybody that owned an island before. But <laughs> this lady didn't even know how to write a check. And that's when it really hit me that we think that, like, sexually transmitted debt and financial abuse can only happen to some people. But you never know what's going on inside someone's home when it comes to the money. It doesn't matter how much you have or don't have. Um, it's how you manage it. I think it's, it, it just opened my eyes. What I thought I knew, I went, oh, hang on, this can happen to anybody. That's right. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And just because a person looks like they have a lot of money doesn't yes. mean they do. I mean, there's just all kinds of misperceptions yeah. out there. And, you know, one of the things, um, and folks, oh, it was actually... <laughs> very um, clumsily share this with Barbara before we press the record. I, I'm totally having a fangirl moment because uh, Barbara's <laughs> book, Sacred Success, totally changed my life because I think one of the other misconceptions, particularly in, in yoga land, is that money isn't spiritual and that you can have one or the other. You can pursue a, a, a spiritually, however, whatever that looks like for you, a, you know, that sort of life, or you can go out and make money and be somehow you know, morally bankrupt, but you can't have both. You can't have prosperity and spirituality at the same time. And I just think the way that you take a stand for both is, was radically inspiring. Thank you. I know for me, spirituality, I, I had never come out of the closet and declared until I wrote my last book, Figure Success. But, but spirituality was a major played a major role in my own financial healing wow and if and I never talked about it and I decided it's time to come out it's time to come out and say it was when I discovered a course in miracles yeah and that that book that that really did it for me and I really believe when you bring discussion when you bring the divine into your discussion of money, it turns it turns financial success from being just a practical process to a spiritual practice, mm. to a, a healing journey, to a rite of passage into our power. Mm. Mm. I love that. I, I I agree, and I think um, 
I think no matter the tradition or the the lineage or the you know the the, the faith that you practice, there are teachings in most of them that espouse that message, but we forget them. You know, and I know in yoga, there's we've got confused with what does it mean to be a monastic, which is one thing. There are people who choose that path. They choose poverty. It's a spiritual choice. And there are other people who are householders, lay people, living in the world, got bills. Then you don't have to choose the poverty thing to you get to, like you can have both at the same time. And there's beautiful teachings in there on that message, but we forget those ones. You know, I had a line in my book, Sacred Success that I kept, the whole time I was writing, I kept putting it in and then taking it out, putting it in and taking it out because I was scared. And then when I, when my book came out, one of the first reviews came from uh, Publishers Weekly Mm -hmm. and they gave it a great review, but they used this line in the first line of their review. (laughs) And and the the line that I kept taking out because I was scared was, I believe that, God, money is God made visible. And I, I truly believe that, that, that money allows us the whole, it's not about amassing more money. It's about who we have to become mm-hmm. in order to attract, to be a container, to attract, to sustain and to grow our wealth. And it, we have to become all of who we're meant to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is all God wants from us to be the that. best we can be I love and that. make and do what we're here on this planet to do. And we can't possibly, we can't possibly pursue our God-given purpose and playful out if we're drowning in debt or struggling to make ends meet. There, there is a quote from Michael Beckwith, who is in The Secret, and he has a mega church in America. Mm-hmm. And Michael Beckwith oh, says... Mm-hmm. Uh, how can you be the how can you be the light of the world if you can't pay your light bills? <laughs> True. And it's like I don't want to help women just pay their light bills. I want to help everyone become the light of the world to really shine their light at maximum wattage. You know, that's something else that I adored in your book because I I have it's no joke. I've been on a journey. I shaved my head for 12 years. So I didn't have to buy shampoo. Like I did some crazy shit because I thought being broke was more spiritual or sort of crazy stuff. I went to study yoga in a developing world and packed two weeks of groceries in my backpack from home. So I didn't have to buy food while I was away. I mean, I did crazy stuff. And so I was on a journey and I was reading lots of books and I was looking, looking out for, you know, spiritual money books And I read a lot until I got to yours. The thing that I loved so much about yours was it wasn't just um, make enough. You deserve to have enough. You deserve to, yours is about actually prosperity more than you need. And not just that, but also um, empowerment through money. I just remember the parts where it was like, uh, you know, like become a strong, what I heard from it was, this is one of the ways that you become a really strong and empowered woman and oh, think yeah. and think ahead, you know, like support yourself yeah. into the future. You know, it's funny when I wrote my first book way back in the nineties and it's still selling, which is really amazing that a book could be selling this long. <laughs> yes, we need it. <laughs> we need it. <laughs> but I digress. But when I wrote that book, that's when I first got my inkling that women's difficulties with money is not about money. It really isn't. 
It's about their fear of or ambivalence about power. Oof. Because money doesn't give us power. <laughs> it is by owning our power that we can create and sustain and grow our wealth. And I remember saying to a psychologist when I was writing this first book, why are women so afraid of their power? And she said to me something that really gave me full body chills. And she said, because powerful women have been burned at the stake. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, yeah, I believe because we don't understand power from a feminine perspective. Hmm. And I define power as a powerful woman is someone who knows who she is, who knows what she wants and expresses that in the world unapologetically. Mm -hmm. So essentially, our fear of power is our fear of becoming all of who we are and not dimming ourselves down or watering ourselves down so we don't make waves. Yeah, yeah. It strikes me that you know, one of the things that I teach yoga teachers is um, having the, the courage and the skills to be visible online. And uh, we talk about Instagram a lot and how a lot of particularly women um, X, Gen X's and over feel uh, intimidated about putting the photos on Instagram because there's so many young, super bendy, you know, fabulous looking other yoga teachers and they feel like they don't fit in. And I always say, well, you know what? The reason that there's so many of them is because we're not showing up enough and taking up more space. That's how you tip the balance, not by dimming them, but by shining more brightly. It strikes me what you're saying. Ooh, I just have to say, wait, oh. I just have to interrupt. Oh, sorry, that was okay. awesome. <laughs> I love that. I loved that. Well, he, okay. the point is, what you're saying is the same. We see, we've got so many bad examples of powerful people who have a lot of money and are not good people. It's not that, that, that they're not um, inextricably linked. It's just we need to tip the scales back and say, hey, here's a whole lot of examples of powerful, wealthy amazing people like let's make more of them so that we're taking up more space so yeah it, the money doesn't make us bad or not exactly you know exactly. okay good we're okay we're, we're in agreement yeah, but okay. unpack it a bit more for, for for everybody else well it's like you put a hundred dollar bill on the floor and that hundred dollar bill can't shoot a gun and it can't bandage a wound it can't do a damn thing mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. it is the person who has the money and how they use it. Yeah. And that's why I think I am such an advocate for creating wealth, meaning you have more than enough. You just yeah. have more than you need. And, and everybody's definition of wealth is, will be different. Yep. yep. But I believe wealth, when you have more than you need, is where the power is and where the fun is. Because then you can, it's not about ha amassing money, it's about using your money. Yeah. to make a difference in your life, in the lives of people you love and causes you feel passionate about. Yeah. And that's very powerful. Yeah. I also think there is a self-worth piece about it too. I was talking to one of my clients last night and she, she'd written to me that she, you know, she's like, she's hoping to make a bit more money this year because, you know, they've got enough and they can get a takeaway every week or so. And I thought <laughs> that's not enough. <laughs> if that's your measure, you're worth more than one takeaway a week. Like, <laughs> what else? You know, I think we maybe it comes back to what you're saying about shining your light. It's also about giving ourselves permission to invest in ourselves, that it doesn't have to just be exactly. everything else first. Exactly, exactly. I, I mean, 
It's like, I will never push anyone to have more money, make more money. I will never push anyone. But if you want to have more money because you want to make a difference, mm-hmm. and I think, see, I think women, no, I don't think, study after study after study has shown us that women, once we have food on the table, a roof over our heads, you know, we, we, we're stable, we're not motivated by money. Oh, yeah, we may want to make money, but money doesn't motivate us. Mm. What motivates us is the opportunity to help others. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I think that that's where I think the industry, the financial industry needs to speak to women mm. because it's really about what women are all about giving back to their community, helping others, making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend. We often our conversations often end up with if I was Bezos, what would I do? Like, wouldn't it be great to have billions of dollars to just like, where would you even start? Oh, so good. <laughs> what, what would you do if you were Bezos? It's so hard. We was like, you could just clear national debts in countries. I mean, you could eliminate diseases. There's so many things you could do. But yeah, I agree with you. It's not, you've got the, life is nice. And then the exciting part becomes, how can I help? And what, how can I make a difference? Yeah. I want to talk about your new book, but before we do, I'm wondering, because I have a bit of a, I'm not going to lie. I'm a zealot for a long-term saving strategy. Like I think it's great to have, you can pay your bills, you can great eat good food, you can update your wardrobe when you want, you can go to the doctor when you need to, et cetera. But I also really like the idea of women creating longer-term financial security for themselves. And I think in my industry, we haven't got there yet, mostly self-employed, not le- not budgeting enough for money at the end of the month to put away for whether it's a retirement fund or we have superannuation here or whatever it's called. But there's still a gap. There's still like, okay, I've made a nice life, but there's not enough. Not that I want to be doom and gloom about it, but there's, some, there's, a, there's another piece to, especially when we have businesses that rely on our physicality. Like if I can't walk around, I can't teach a yoga class, there needs to be a little bit more smarts in there about saving for the future. It doesn't sound sexy yet, but I'm, I'm determined to make it. Doesn't it doesn't sound so. sexy? <laughs> I think it does. Oh, it. No, it is so sexy. <laughs> I, say, I say money, having a relationship with wealth, with money, is like having a legendary love affair. Ooh. Like the ideal lover. Because all money wants to do is serve you and support you for the rest of your days. Mm-hmm. And all it wants in return is to be respected and appreciated and taken care of. And the way that you respect and appreciate money, three things. Okay. Spend less, save more, and invest wisely. Save, spend less than you earn. Save more than you need and invest in assets like stocks and bonds and real estate that grow faster than inflation and taxes take it away. And that is how you create wealth. I think a lot of women are terrified about number three. I think yeah. I think we take ourselves out, oh, I'm a, I, that's, a, that's for men or I should have gone to university for that or that's too scary or I think there's still a barrier there. Yeah. And that is the financial industry has done a lousy job. Mm. a lousy job of communicating how it it is not 
complex. It is very simple, although the industry makes it very complicated. There are lots of complications, but it's very, very simple. And it doesn't take a lot of money to create wealth. And it doesn't take a lot of time to be smart. And you're never, never, never too old. I mean, I always thought they're smart. There's just certain secrets smart people knew and, and it felt so overwhelming. Well, it's not. It really isn't. Yeah. And, you know, and like I say to people when I say you need to get an accountant, but you get to, um, if you want to learn from people, you, you can, there are, you get to seek out people who can talk your language, who make you feel good. Just like you love getting a great hairstylist and you love going and booking an appointment and being with your hairstylist because they're part of your sort of self-care entourage. Why wouldn't you have finance people in your life like that, that you love hanging out with? Yes. The women that I interviewed, the successful women that I've interviewed for my books, they didn't all make the most money. The wealthiest, the wealthiest all had worked with financial professionals. Yeah. They had a team of financial professionals because, you know, this isn't a do it yourself. This isn't a do it. I don't think, I remember I interviewed for one of my books, Secrets of Six Figure Women, one of my, I, I quote her all the time. One of the people I interviewed said, success is a social activity. Ooh. And it's true. We aren't meant to do this alone. I didn't service my own car. Why the hell would I try and manage my retirement fund? <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> all right. I'm excited. Tell us about the new book, which we can get now, right? Can we get it now? Actually, we can pre-order. Tomorrow was supposed to is this when when is when is this when is this podcast now ish yes yes we can get this now yes (laughs) it is available now (laughs) tell us tell us tell us it's called rewire for wealth three steps any woman can take to program her brain for financial success and i the idea for this book came about six or seven years ago, wow. um, right after I wrote Sacred Success, very mm-hmm. soon after. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day I woke up and it was just the weirdest thing. I felt like something was missing in my work. Hmm. And this feeling started to build and I started like dreading going to work. It was the, I mean, this is, I've been doing this for 25 years hmm. and this is not a job. This is like my ministry. This mm-hmm. is my passion. And it's like, this is what I was born to do. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I started losing interest. And I started, what, what is going on? And I, I couldn't figure it out. And so I kind of cleared the deck. I, I stopped taking new clients. I stopped speaking. I, I made space. Mm-hmm. And I went into this deep surrender place. And I prayed. I said, okay, God, either something's missing or I'm not supposed to be doing this work anymore. Mm-hmm. So show me, show me. And then one day, didn't happen right away, but one day I was looking at my email and I saw this article on neuroscience Hmm. and I read, I knew nothing about neuroscience and I read it and I swear it was like something in my brain lit up like a slot machine and it went, this is it. This is the missing piece. So I spent about six years weaving in neural, studying neuroscience and weaving it in with spirituality and psychology and personal finance to, because I, I realized that if I understood and could help women why, rewire their brains, it would 
greatly expedite the learning curve, yeah. take a lot of the overwhelm out of it, yep. and and completely eradicate the resistance. And it's true. Mm. So I spent years creating a formula for rewiring your brain. And because, yeah. I'm so, so excited about it. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. This is just, well, firstly, congratulations. Secondly, thank you very much. Um, what do I want to ask you next? Why don't you ask me, well, how do you rewire your brain? No, I don't want you to give it all away, but give us a little teaser. I have no problem giving it okay, away. Okay, all right. Because there's so much good stuff in the book. Hmm. And there's so many great stories. And there's so much I can't even talk about that I... Uh, and if someone doesn't want to buy my book, I still want to help them. Yes, yes, yes. Love that, love that. But thank you. Thank you for honoring that. But rewiring, it, it all boils down to three steps. But here's what you have to understand. Our brain mm -hmm. controls our behavior. Mm -hmm. Our brain controls everything we do. Inhaling and exhaling, spending and saving our brain. Mm -hmm. Our brain is a is a um, is a physical organ in our skull, mm -hmm. and it works on electrical stimulus, electrical chemical stimulus. Mm -hmm. Our mind is not an is not a physical entity. It's a it's an intangible entity, a source of thoughts and feelings, and what flows through our mind is what wires our brain. Mm -hmm. So if you want to change your brain, you must change your thinking. Mm -hmm. But it's not enough just to change your thinking. You need to engage in three steps. Okay. Okay. So here are the three steps. I'll tell you them to you very quickly. Okay. And then you can ask for more. The first step is the three steps are recognize, reframe, and respond differently. Recognize means simply observing any negative thoughts. No, recognize any negative thoughts, but recognize with curiosity, not with judgment. judgment. Oh, isn't that interesting? I'm having a thought about, I'm stupid. Yeah. I'm having a thought. And then the second reframe is you ask yourself, how can I see this differently? How can I see I am stupid differently? And all that means is you look, you shift your attention from fear and negativity to love. And how would love look at this? And you reframe it. You, how, okay, the, let, let's say, oh, I, I just did a reframe, not, not too long, I'm always rewired. Um, I, I, I was, had this project that I was doing that my team suggested I do, and it scared me to death. And I kept thinking, I don't have what it takes. I can't do this. Mm. And I thought, Wait, rewire that. So I thought, isn't that interesting? I'm having a, a thought about I don't have what it takes. Isn't that interesting? That's not true. It's a thought. It's not the truth. So I reframed it. How could I see this differently? Mm -hmm. and, and there's a million different ways to reframe. But in this case, what I did is I said, oh, wait, I can handle this. I can handle this. Now, did I believe it? No, but you don't have to believe it. You don't have to believe it because you didn't believe that initial thought in the first place. I, and then after you reframe, then you respond differently. Mm -hmm. You do what you don't want to do. You do what doesn't feel 
comfortable, you do what doesn't feel normal, you do what doesn't feel right. Because, you know, if you keep doing the same old, same old, you keep getting the same old, same old. Yeah. So the first two are important in setting you up. But unless you respond differently over and over and over again, you're not going to rewire your brain. I love it. You know, we have um, one of the important books in the yoga tradition. Um, it's called the Yoga Sutra, and it was written about mm, 1,600 years ago. And um, there's a whole section in there on this. Uh, it's talking about it in terms of karma, like what you did before is what you're going to get again unless you rewire it. Like it's all that conditioning stuff. And there's a whole teaching, how do you avoid bad karma, i.e. how do you avoid doing stupid things again into the future? It's just that's that three-step process. There is a whole ancient teaching on that this is this is very ancient yeah i mean buddha talked about yeah 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 so this is very ancient tried and tested i would argue what (laughs) tried and tested it's been tried and tested to be true um so tell us about okay we can understand those three steps and when we remind remind ourselves and are present we can come back to those and and follow through with them i'm curious about some examples of how they pertain specifically to the area of money what's some mm-hmm. common it maybe even in the work that you do are there some common places where you see people some common triggers where they know to employ these steps like any negative like a very common one is there's never enough yeah and usually it's people grew up like that, yep. they heard it, or there's yep. never enough, or I'm not enough, yep. or I'm stupid, or I can't do that. Yeah. Whatever the negative belief is, it often ha- affects your relationship with money. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And so what you look for is the negative thoughts in your head. Yes. The negative thoughts, and that's what you want to rewire. Yeah. Yeah. I also wonder, I know you shared your story about you grew up wealthy and so were removed from money. Um, I, grew, I grew up removed from money too, probably for different reasons, to the point where I remember when I finally graduated university, I didn't know what jobs to apply for because I couldn't gauge the experience level from the salary because I didn't know what people earned. But what I got was from my parents was um, you just have to work really, really, really hard. Mm. And I think I'm wondering, and I see a lot of people in my community who have maybe come out of a corporate job and are now self-employed in yoga, and they still have that negative belief of if I'm not working hard, I, I'm not going to be successful or I can't pay my bills. Or Is that is that one that you see? Yeah, struggle a lot. You yes. get to work hard, yes. you get to struggle. But yes. it's so funny because nobody works harder than an under-earner. <laughs> That's what nobody. We're under-earners, they, they work so hard. High earners have figured out how to focus yeah. without overworking and struggling. Yeah. And, and, and I was lucky because I grew up with a father who was extremely successful, but he didn't believe in struggle. Neither believed in. Oh, wow. Work so he, uh, yeah. He so I never had that. I never had that. Good. Yeah. I had others like yeah. women don't manage money. <laughs> like I'm stupid. I can't figure this out. So, but no, I didn't never had that. Uh, it's it's so interesting because we, we are so shaped. We we inherit our behaviors and our relationship with money. And what I love about rewire, what what I really discovered after I got deeply into it, is that it's about far more than money. It's about finding who you really are. Yeah. 
discovering your authentic self before you were conditioned to believe you were otherwise. Mm, mm. And that's really what this work is all about, finding your true nature. Arguably, that could be a definition for wealth, actually, a wealthy person. No, that's not a definition for wealth. It's a version. It? No, wealth, you can find your true nature and not have wealth. <laughs> of wealth course. Is, to me, because yeah. I deal with money, so I have a financial, I mean, yes, you can be wealthy and have all so much stuff. To me, wealth is when you have more than enough money to support you, to meet your goals, your short-term, long-term goals. Okay. So... But well, but what were we talking about? We were talking about three steps. We were talking about common oh. things that come up. I feel like I could talk to you all day, but I'm I'm conscious of of time. Um, tell us again. Tell us again. The, let's start. Tell us again the name of your book. It's called Rewire for Wealth: Three Steps Any Woman Can Take to Program Her Brain for Financial Success. And it is the first book that is now in my new name. Because all my books before yes. were in my other married name, was Barbara Stanny. Yes. And so I changed my name two years ago to Barbara Houston. This is the first book that's in my current name, my forever name. I love, I love that word, forever name. So, so, so if we're looking for sacred, just as a practical note, Folks, search for both. I mean, you're going to be redirected to all the right places, I'm imagining. But will sacred successes... Do they change it when they reprint it? What happens? No, no, no. All of my other books are Barbara Stanny. Okay. Barbara Stanny, yeah. Everyone thought I was crazy to change my name after I had six books out. But I didn't care. You know what? That could be. There, there will be people listening to this podcast and that, just what you said just then, might be the message that they needed to hear. <laughs> Like you get to do you. You get to just do what is right for you in your business. Yes. And, and, and I was thinking, why do I want my ex-husband's name, who was never happy to, with me, when I have a husband who always tells me every day, I am here to love, appreciate, and support you. And he does. And I thought, and it's, it's not because I wanted his name. It was because he loves me so much. We've been together 12 years. He loves me so much that seeing myself through his eyes, I started seeing myself differently. I started saying, yeah, there is someone to love here. So, because he said, you don't have to change this for me. And I said, I'm not doing it for you. <laughs> oh, I love that. One of the things you don't know about this podcast, Barbara, is that I regularly wax lyrical about my failed dating life. So maybe what I needed to get from this podcast is exactly what you just said then for some encouragement to <clears throat> don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. I didn't meet him till I was 60. Okay. So yeah, you got plenty of time. All right. All right. Um, folks, you can get all of Barbara's links in the episode notes. Follow her on Instagram. Def Barbara, are there audio versions of your books? Can we listen to your books? There's there's audio versions for, there isn't for Prince Charming, but there's okay. audio version for Overcoming Under Earning, Secrets of Six Figure Women, Sacred Success. Rewire doesn't have an audio version, but my publisher told me they're buying an audio company. Okay. And there will be, I think, in a few months. Okay, cool. Do you read them? Or does no. someone else read them? <laughs> no. 
first of all, they my I don't have the best voice for it. And second of all, that is so that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> Reading my own book? No. Okay, folks. So if you're more of a listener than a reader, you can get Barbara's books on audiobooks, but someone else will read it to you. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> parting anything else that you want to have anything I haven't asked you or any parting wisdom that you want to share with us no but let me just say that yeah I'm just kidding I'm going to leave you with a little story okay about why I am so fanatic about women taking charge of their money and it has nothing to do with money when I wrote my first book Prince Charming Isn't Coming I went to New York and I met my editor at penguin, Viking penguin. And I remember having lunch with her and I said to her, in lunch, I said, do you invest? And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. I have no money. I have no money. And I could tell she was embarrassed. So I dropped the subject. Hmm. And so she, my, she, she edited my book. My book came out about a year later. She calls me and she said, you remember our lunch? She said, well, I did have a little bit of money that was in my, uh, 401k, my retirement account, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it was all in cash. And she said, my brother, who's a financial investment advisor, told me how stupid that was. She said, but it wasn't until I read your book that I realized, oh, that is foolish. Mm-hmm. So she said, I found a financial advisor and I have it fully invested and it's going up and down and up and down, but I'm not scared because I know I'm in for the long term. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh my God, I was so happy. But then she said to me, the words I hear all the time when a woman finally takes charge of her money and this is why you do it. And she said, Barbara, I have to tell you, I feel so powerful. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I want for every woman. Yeah, yeah. That feeling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Powerful and and sort of fundamentally safe, which is a power in itself, which is is, is critical. It's been a... An absolute delight, as I knew it would be, getting to talk to you. I feel very blessed. Thank you so much for spending some time with us and the Abundant Yoga Teacher community. Folks, make sure you get all of the books because, seriously, they're awesome. Um, and and absolutely, uh, um, you, you know, this is not your fluffy close your eyes and wish yourself rich stuff. This is, um, this is, this is tactical, practical, and absolutely spiritual in nature. Barbara, thank you for being such a great teacher for us. Thank you. And I also want to tell you, I'm a fanatic yogi. I'm a fanatic yogi. I love my yoga every day, every day. Wow. Well, not maybe for a full hour and a half, but I do do yoga every day. Love it. Amazing. Just got even better. Thank you. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at amyyogabizcoach. Take deep care.